Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Hello and welcome to... You won't believe it, the 250th episode of Real Hawk Talk, a very special 250th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger. Not that much recently, to be totally honest. I have, I have been very occupied with things ranging from taxes to crazy stuff at work to last night we were supposed to have a show and my... Uh, adult autistic son uh, decided that it was a good night to see just how far up his nose he could shove a coin. And uh, that was fun. That was uh, he we didn't he did not reinvent the piggy bank. He did not find out that there was some sort of jackpot that he hit um, by doing that. Um, he did not scratch an itch on the inside of his brain. It, it just was uncomfortable. And we got all the way to the ER. It's going to be a three and a half hour wait just to get in. And that was probably another few hours after that. We called another hospital and we were going to drive over there. It was a less of a wait. And just as we got up, he turns around with a big smile on his face and opens his hand. And there was a nice dime that he had managed to get out of his nose and we were able to go home. So all in all, no harm, no foul but hashtag you know 
parenting. Uh, it, it's it's a never ending story. And Dana, I definitely thought of you, uh, Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. I will quickly introduce uh, Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons. He's also here tonight. Dana's going to host the show, and, and I'm going to hand it over to you now to do so. But Dana, I definitely thought of you as I sat there in a hospital thinking, oh, she's seen this probably a million times. Oh, uh, yeah. For those of you guys who don't know, I work at a children's hospital um, as my day job. And I can't tell you how many times. I mean, we have lots of little kids who shove Legos and things up their nose. But I can't tell you how many times we have like 15 to 18-year-old, like teenage, almost adult children they have shoved something up their nose or even better swallowed a water bottle cap because they chew on them in class. And they're 99% of the time they're a hundred. They're fine. I mean, really we very have any rare, you know, issues with it, but it's just like, are you guys supposed to be past that? You're not teething two year olds. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And the weights in ERs are crazy right now, but you guys, I'm so glad to be back. We have been gone for so long. Um, and honestly, it's because there wasn't a whole lot to talk about when it came to Seattle for a while there. Um, I know that the three of us have been chatting a lot online um, in between Brian's flights and work meetings and all that other stuff. Um, but I know for a fact, Jeff, you're very excited for this time of year. Like you've been waiting for this. Yeah, this is sort of my time of year. Like I love this like personnel front office stuff and I usually like start learning about the draft around now. Like the combine is usually, and I was talking to like uh, my brother, who's pretty like a big college football watcher. And I was like naming like offensive tackles to him that are going to go in the third round. And he's like, what, what have you been doing the last three weeks? <laughs> <laughs> I've been deep with this draft. This draft is so different. We're usually like the picking and we're like, all right, they're going to trade down to the second round, whatever. I'll learn a couple of players. I've been, yeah, I've been in the house. I see, uh, I've been covered, had a couple snowstorms, and I, yeah, I'm just getting ready for a couple weeks now where you get the combine, we get free agency, and then all leads into this draft where we see I don't have so many picks. So, yeah, I've been just basically studying football for because there hasn't been any Seahawks really news that's kind of got me right. off kind of line. I'm just getting ready for this. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about the draft. I know there's a ton of Patreon questions about the draft. And I know that we, and just, I promise you guys, we are going to get to them for sure. Um, because there, there's a lot of excitement around this draft just simply because what they have five picks in the top 80 or something crazy. So it'll be super fun. Um, I want to say, yes, thank you to Jansen um, for your donation. We love that you love to watch us. We appreciate that so much. So let's start here though. I want to start with kind of, I hate to say end of season wrap because we're already into the new season. And let me tell you how mad Kansas City fans are. So I live in Kansas City. And oh, of course, they're crazed about their Super Bowl. So excited, right? But the day after the parade, I had people who were like, no one's talking about this anymore, Dane. I'm like, right, because the wheel never stops turning and we're on to the next. And congratulations, you won. Now move on. We got to go, right? And so um, that's how fast the NFL calendar rolls. But I want to talk about with you guys a have your feelings and Brian, I'm gonna start with you. Have your feelings changed about, you know, we all had our feelings at the end of the season of how we thought the season, when you go back and look at it though, I will tell you that my heart got a little more tender. I was a little bitter at the end of the season, just a little mad because they didn't finish well. And I really wanted them to do that, but three players over a thousand yards, right? Like DK Tyler and um, Walker 
you have Gino who ends up winning comeback player of the year. You, you have a lot of accolades for this team. I will tell you my, the picture of the season got a little rosier for me as I got further away from it. How about you? It got more, <laughs> I would well, say it, it got smaller <laughs> in the rearview mirror. I would yeah. say I didn't think a lot about it, uh, to be totally honest. I think that watching the Super Bowl, watching the playoffs, I took a lot of pleasure, a lot of pleasure uh, out of the 49ers not getting to the Super Bowl. Like that was very satisfying. I, and, and so that, like any, it would have been really painful to watch the 49ers win a ring the year after the Rams won a ring and have to deal with that. So I'm in that kind of phase and I don't feel as bitter about the way the season ended. I was actually very happy with the first half of that playoff game. And even into the third quarter, people are going to like, they just got blown out in the second half. It was a one score game at the end of the third quarter. Like, uh, so it was it, like, I know where it ended up. There is zero doubt in my mind how much better the 49ers are than the Seahawks or have been. But I'm pretty much in the same spot. If anything, Dana, I don't want to be contrarian because we have plenty of those on this show. But what? I, I, <laughs> I think that with time, I've grown a little bit more bearish on how much work how much this has to go right for the Seahawks to really contend mm -hmm. um, that that's, I think that they've got the ammunition to do it, but it's a thread, you know, they're going to, it's a needle. They're going to have to thread. For sure. Jeff, how are you feeling? Uh, similar to what Brian was saying mm -hmm. at the end, I'd say like, I think the more I've gotten away from it, I have more of an appreciation for like what Gino did and just how unlikely that whole season was. But then you come to the playoffs, and yeah, I was with Brian. I was in a lot of threads with Brian going through that Niners playoffs. So them getting knocked out felt like a Seahawks playoff win. And that they were kind of left in disarray was – I know, I think Evan said, like, they were left with an excuse. I found that very satisfying. You know? They're, like, left with all this uncertainty. And they don't know who their quarterback is. And so I take – my petty side of me, like, loved every second of that. Um, but then you watch the Eagles – and that's what we've talked about for years. That Brian's talked about the best position groups tend to win the Super Bowl or the, who's ever the best at something. And the Eagles should have won the Super Bowl, realistically. <laughs> and then you look at our roster and it's just, just you see the gap and you see the mountain. And that's why I get so excited about the drafts all the time because if you look at where the Eagles were a couple of years ago, they didn't look at any, like even the last year, if you watch the Eagles, they played in the first round of the playoffs and got crushed by Tampa Bay. And you saw what happened in Tampa Bay. And you look at where Seattle is, same kind of thing. They had a base in place. They had a great offseason. And look what happened. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what Brian just said. That's They can't just be average or be okay. They have to crush it to actually take to become a contender. Or else, like, the draft capital just becomes normal next year. They're probably not going to bottom out. This is really the year for them. They have to hit it mm -hmm. because – Unless things fall apart, they're probably going to pick at the very least of like 14th or 16th or something. And how do you get a lot better doing that? And so this is really their chance. So on one hand, it's like super exciting. And, but on the other hand, like you have to acknowledge the gap there and like, they're basically building a defensive line from scratch. And you look at the Eagles, they had like nine man pass rush and 
like seven of them are free agents now, so there's chances, but you see them start to make the same kind of trends in free agency, and you wonder, is this the same old thing, or do they realize the opportunity they kind of have here? So I'm excited on one hand. I'm nervous on another hand. That's why I'm kind of just getting eager for this next couple of months because this is a massive opportunity for right. this I think that's a kind of an interesting place to be, though, is that that excited but nervous because it makes you feel like – the possibility is there. And you know what I mean? And so that's exciting. And yet you're like, oh my God, they're going to screw this up and I'm going to be so mad again. Yeah, I get it. They have to kind of ride that balance just a little bit. Well, there has been a little bit of Seahawks news um, that has happened over the last couple of days. First of all, we had a couple contracts come out. Phil Haynes, Brian, did you jump up and down? Were you so excited? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love, you know, I probably get more mentions about Phil Haynes the only person I get more mentions about Phil Haynes is Creed Humphrey. Anytime Creed Humphrey does anything, my timeline just fills up. Um, so <laughs> look, I, my opinion of Phil Haynes this year, like he got more playing time and I don't think that he rose to the level where it was like, this guy's your obvious, mm -hmm. you know, guard of the future. So I think the, I wouldn't say the blooms off the rose there, but I would say that, you know, he got some of the chances I was looking for him to get. He performed as well or better than Gabe Jackson. So I think he is much, much like a much better place to invest that money than Gabe Jackson. And it's a one year deal. So I think that what people tend to forget in free agency with John Schneider is one of his dominant strategies is. I want to sign enough players at positions where we have holes so I can go into the draft without feeling like I'm cornered into drafting for a specific position. Mm -hmm. So I don't, th people are like, oh, they got a guard. He's not going to draft a guard. Maybe it's possible. I mean, I, I, it's possible, but it's also possible. He's like, okay, I don't want to be caught flat footed at guard. So now we have somebody, he was a cheap one year deal. And if we need to, you know, go in the draft and we find a guard that we love, I don't think it stops him from doing that. Damian Luce is on the last year of his deal too. So like, I thought it was a totally logical thing to do. Um, and I do, since I'm being a little bit pessimistic, I do want to bring up really quickly. We have the free, we have free agency. We have the draft. We have Mariner spring training. We have spring in the future. Like days are getting longer sun will come i know jeff will be sad about that but it'll happen so i feel like we're in a, the very best part of like we're, we're in the the downhill of the year where things just start speeding up and feeling much better so i am looking forward to all of it i just am like don't screw yeah, it up i know you forgot one really important thing and i'm gonna forgive you for that because we like to give each other a bad time about this but the mls season starts on saturday just oh there yeah yeah, totally good. MLS yeah. season. I don't know Stop. how I forgot. I don't know how you did it. Like, have, have middle <laughs> school sports, have middle school sports started Stop too? Stop it! Or... Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> the other contract that came out was for Nick Ballore. God, God, I love Nick Ballore as a person. He's flipping hilarious, Jeff. They haven't really come out with details on his contract yet. Um, so Phil Haynes' contract, he had a base of one point three million, a signing bonus of two point one eight five million fully guaranteed for both of those um and then a pre uh, per games roster bonus of five hundred ten thousand. so his cap hit is going to be 3.9 million 3.97 maybe million 
2023. That's Phil Haynes. We don't have those details for Nick Valor yet. All we know is that it was a $6.6 million deal. So about 3.75, you know, per season. Um, there's a lot of kind of uproar about that. It's like, do you pay a special teams player that much? How, you know, he's a great guy, but sort of a thing. I, I wasn't so mad at Nick Ballor's contract. I'll admit, first glance, my eyes kind of popped into my head when I saw the number. But again, the numbers that come out, and I've said this so many times, comes from the agent, and it's mostly cash. I don't know why fans care what players make in cash. I think it's irrelevant to us. It's... I think what we should care about is cap and how it affects the cap. And until we see how they structure it, then we can get angry. But to me, it's like, it's probably going to be a two or two and a half million dollar cap hit. At the end of the day, like if you're upset about that, you need to find something else to do. Like it's not a big deal. It's probably a bit of an overpay, but they're rewarding a guy who's really important to building and they, they value special teams more than others. And I think people have to get used to what contracts are going to start looking like. The cap is up to what 225 this year. We're gonna start seeing numbers that don't look like what they used to look like. So even a guy like Belor is like a 32-year-old special teamer, three and a half million dollars. This is what happened in the NBA, really, where backup players are making like 12 million dollars now, ninth man of the team. I think a contract like that's gonna look pretty normal soon. I know you're looking at their cap and they've already paid Myers, Belor, and Haynes, and you're like, oh boy, here we go again with their free agency tactics and how they burn cap room like no one else, but I'm not that worked up about Ballor. I know a lot of people were, I, I just think they value special teams and they, I think they were a top three special teams unit again. So it's probably not how I would build a roster. I'd probably replace that with like a league minimum guy, but again, that's, he's a culture guy. He's important in the building. So it's not worth getting upset about. In my right. opinion. It's not like it paid him, you know, 10 million or something. So. <laughs> then I would be upset. Right. We all would. Right. Absolutely. Um, so that last little bit of news, and I, I see in our chat, people are talking about it. Um, it came out today that the Rams and Bobby Wagner have mutually agreed to, to part ways, whatever the hell that means. Right. Like they're like, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I hated you for how many years as a rival. And now I'm just going to leave. But um there's a lot of bring Bobby home, bring Bobby back. I, I know that people are feeling that way. Um, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think that there's still some hard feelings about how that went out. But um, I know that a lot of people are like, he's old, he's slow. I mean, I got into it with Nathan today. <laughs> Shocking. You know, it's like, well, um, but at the same time, I just do either one of you guys see that happening. Brian, do you see that happening? I wouldn't be shocked. Shut up. Really? I wouldn't be shocked. And I'll tell you why. Uh, the Jordan Brooks injury puts the Seahawks in a really challenging spot. They really don't have an answer there. They're in a, they are absolutely in a bind going into the draft. They can look and we've talked about the free agency of linebackers. And there's actually some really good options that I'd be excited about. And so I would be more excited for them to, spend a little bit there um on the younger side and on some like having some skill sets that maybe we need but if they could do worse than bringing bobby back on a short-term deal i don't think you know when i've when i've kind of had conversations with him like i don't think he has hard feelings about like i think oh good i think he would i'm not speaking for him but i would just say i think he would he wishes, I think he wishes he could have helped the team this year. 
Um, and so I think he'd be open to coming back, but it really matters what, you know, what the price is. I don't think the Seahawks are going to pay him. You know, I don't know. I don't know what they would pay him. And that's where it's like Levante David will probably be on the market as well. I think his market will be stronger than Bobby's. So Bobby might have to accept like a $8 million deal. I don't know if he'd do that. So I think it's going to be a matter of what Bobby finds, but I'd say I'd give it a, maybe as high as like a 40% chance that it could happen. Oh my gosh. Do you remember how crazed this fan base went when they brought Marshawn back for that four games or whatever that was? <laughs> if they brought Bobby back, they would lose their mind. And just out of pure joy, because I think most people didn't want him to leave in the first place. So I think that that would be, it would be really fun. It would, it would be, it would be fun. I don't know. I just, I thought there was still bad blood there, but apparently I'm not. So that's really good to hear. So, all right, we're going to dive into this now. I, there's, I wanted to talk, we're going to start talking about the draft where then we're going to go to Patreon questions and go through all the draft questions on Patreon. Then there's some other questions on there too. Um, but I wanted to start with a little story I heard today about the NFLPA. And I mentioned this to Jeff um, earlier about it. So the NFLPA came out and said that they wanted to get rid of the combine that they preferred. Um, let's see. They wanted to establish regional pro days um, potentially put on by them that they, they wanted to kind of get rid of the combine. Now I will tell you that when I was listening to, um, serious exam about it today, they lost their minds. They're like, they don't understand how important the combine is. They don't understand how, um, I think he called it the, whoever said it, he, the guy on the radio kept saying only a dope would think that he said dope like three times, which cracked me up a little bit. But, um, I thought that that was really interesting. I've been to a regional combine before. Um, I covered one a few years ago here in Kansas city. Um, it's four hours, very small, you know, nothing too exciting. Um, but they brought up a good point that the combine started due to medical reasons. They wanted to get their, their doctors to lay some eyes on here. But Jeff, you brought up a really good point about how important the combine is about how it's not just about the players. It's about all the teams gathering. Yeah. So the combine, like it gets broadcast and everyone thinks it's just athletic testing. And if you've heard the John Schneider show, I know he's been doing that. He was talking about a couple of things today that like they do all of their psychological testing there. So just getting everyone in one place is really, really valuable from that standpoint. But just like what I was saying before, it's the only time of year really during the season or during the off season where the whole league is in one place and not just the league, it's the every agent. So there's this legal tampering period that happens two days before free agency. And if you wonder why deals happen the second it starts, this is what happens at the combine. Schneider even was saying to before, he meets with basically every GM and every agent at the combine so things like trades like the russell wilson trade if you remember like that all went down at the combine last year and they kept it under wraps for like three weeks but him and like george payton were like secretly meeting so i know like the nflpa has issues with like how players are treated and they're kind of like prodded to like be in their underwear and like weigh in and stuff like that i i get it it's weird and like they i i get it why a player would feel uncomfortable but like for the league it's a really really valuable time and like with Seattle, they have this huge contract negotiation and trying to establish what Geno Smith's market is. Having every agent there and every team there, I feel like that is really, really valuable for a general manager or for a player. If you're Geno and you're trying to figure out, okay, where can I go? This is really when the dog goes down. They're all out drinking till four in the morning every night. So 
If you want to meet some GMs and agents, go to Indianapolis. It's the only reason I'd ever tell you to go to Indianapolis. But so I just I think the teams would never allow it to happen. It's so valuable for them. And the Seahawks, we're all watching this one negotiation right now. So it's going to be a lot of stuff coming from there. Brian, the, at the combine too, the, the one of the things that the person from the NFL, I think it was Smith said, um, was that you only see players stock fall at the combine. You never see a player stock rise. And that's such a bunch of crap. I have seen it so many times where a player just kills it at a combine and, and their stock rises to the players. And there are some players that skip the combine and they just have their pro day and do all that. But how important do you think it is for maybe some of those non-superstar college players to go to the combine? I think it's huge. Yeah, I, do I, I think I mean, I'm looking at the combine this year, not just because the Seahawks have draft picks, but there's a number of guys that I think could completely change their draft stock, like up or down based on how this goes. And I don't think that's even a hot take. Like there's guys, uh, you know, Kalijah Kansi is a guy I've talked about a bunch because I've, I've, you know, he's on my list. I think that guy could be could totally blow up in the combine and people are going to be like, I put that next to his tape and I'm like, okay, he's six feet. I want to know exactly how tall he is, how exactly how long his arms are. Like there's going to be people looking really closely at that. Uh, another defensive tackle, Brian, is it Brace? Uh, I, I still, mm-hmm. I, I remember I looked it up and I can't remember. It's, it's not how you think it's pronounced, but in any event, um, he is an athletic freak but his tape hasn't been that impressive. He could come in here. I'm seeing draft. There's times where people are projecting him a top 10 pick. I'm seeing him now deep in the second round um, in some places. So like that's the variability that's going on here. And ask DK Metcalf, how much the combine affected him. Like, uh, you know, he had a huge combine and, fell i mean he's still like to some extent fell and so he's an interesting almost uh conflict or 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 you know um what's the word like uh he's 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 basically making two different points um with his experience because he blew up at the combine but he still didn't go as high as you'd think he should and then he turned out to be a player that was as good as he played as he showed up in the combine so I think it's a very important – personally, I think part of the reason the Seahawks look at the Senior Bowl so much, not just because of Jim Nagy and his position there. That's clearly part of it. But they do 1v1 pass rush drills. And I think the practice of the Senior Bowl is the most important evaluation, like the most valuable evaluation opportunity they get. It's the closest to actual pro practices. It's run by coaches who do what they want to do. And when I've watched, and I'm no pro, 1v1 pass rush drills are one of the most illuminating drills. It is, it is about strength, speed, technique. And you see the flaws and the talent like really clearly in those drills. You don't get that at the combine. So mm-hmm. I do think the combine's flawed in the types of things. I think I just, I love it. I can't wait to see it. I'm I mean, really does anyone care how much someone bench presses? Up. Like, I don't care who's. No, that's, that's, a, yeah. that's what Brian's saying. There's some yeah. outdated stuff. But yeah, actually, sure. I was just reading an article today and Josh Norris, who I think works for the underdog now, he used to work for Roto World, was actually going at each position, the metric or the, the common drill you should be focusing on. And he went over like the history of like 
different. Like the Seahawks were ahead of the curve on this where they put together this like spark score where they could measure mm. someone's and they found some really good gems in the draft. And they're saying like for defensive linemen, like three cone is really, really valuable. That's where like Bruce Irvin kind of shot up. And for offensive linemen, like Abe Lucas last year put up like 98 percentile numbers in like the 10 yard split. And that's, a, that's been like a historical measure. So there are a lot of metrics that like do indicate success. Mm-hmm. is on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Broad jump for like a receiver, broad jump for a safety or linebacker something like that. But like everyone focuses on 40 time and bench press. And like Dana said, like those are kind of bullshit, but right. when we're trying to learn who these guys are and see when they can see like they're who's testing in the 98th percentile. And we saw LJ Collier, who was like a 2% athlete and we've seen what happened to his career. There are things to learn here. And yeah. Wouldn't you say Jeff, there's also positions that are worth like, I don't find that I learn almost anything about quarterbacks in at the combine, mm-hmm. like exactly. not, not particularly interested. I think offensive linemen, there's like some stuff you can learn just athletically, but you're not like, there's a lot of like bad athletes that are great offensive linemen. So Agreed. there's certain like receiver running back linebacker. Uh, I think defensive linemen, I think those cornerback, I think some of those are positions that you can really evaluate, but some of them are just, I feel like I don't care what the quarterbacks are doing most of the time. Totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go ahead. I'm going to dive into these Patreon questions just because there are so many of them and so many of them about the draft. And I think that it's really important um, that we get to as many as we can. So we're going to start. I I think the name is supposed to be actually, but it's spelled very weird. So if I say that wrong, I apologize. Um, their question is, if Carter Anderson are gone, would you trade one of your first round picks for a player on another roster? Jeff, do you have... Oh, Brian says hell Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> can't even control myself. No. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Jeff. No. Sorry. Uh, pretty much no. Like, unless you're getting, like, Nick Bosa or something. Like, right. I just don't think... We were we talk about just like building a team and cost control and age and like top five pick. No, you, the only thing you're doing is moving down to get a picks for the to get more picks. So I think for where this team is, training a top five, I just don't think it's realistic. Yeah, me neither. All right, okay. Um, LR2 asks, and Brian, I'll give this one to you. If we draft a late round quarterback and they outperform in camp rookie-esque, um, rookie Russ-esque. Do you think Pete has it in, in him to start an unknown rookie this late in Pete's career? Oh, I don't think that's an issue for Pete. I don't either. I, I don't. I, I mean, I'm still expecting the CX to sign Gino, and I think it is high. Gino is not Matt Flynn. Mm-mm. So I think it'd be really hard for an unknown rookie to come in and unseat Gino. But I'd love to see someone try. Right. That's the fun of it for sure. Yeah. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, Jeff, this one for you. It's from Braxton says, we've been talking a lot about prospects. We want Seattle to go after in the draft. Who is the prospect that you think is getting overhyped or you don't want in Seattle? Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you one. And this might change the more I get to early in mocks, like miles Murphy from Clemson was like a top five sort of where Tyree Wilson has kind of moved into the draft and Murphy's in like an athletic kind of freakish player that it never really showed up on tape. You don't see like, 
the dog in him. You don't see he's more of an athlete. He's more of an athlete than a football player, I find. And I found the one weakness is he's not great against the run. And so he's a he's an athletic guy that's kind of in the Seattle range and like a, a lot of Moxie's kind of moved down slowly and slowly. I think for the team they want to be and how you want to build the defensive line to make him like the premier guy, I think would just kind of, I think it'd be a huge mistake. So I, I think he's got potential to be a good player, but I don't love his profile and where he could end up being drafted mm-hmm. because of his athletic skills rather than kind of like that dog and what you need on defensive line. Brian, what about you? Do you have one? I, Murphy was the guy that came to mind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's the person that that I would stick with for simplicity yeah. and okay. quickness. All right. All right. This one we kind of talked about a little bit, but I, we can expand on a little bit. This is from Troy. It says, Haynes just got starter money. Leaving center out of it for a second. I think that's for you, Brian. Leave center out of it for a second. If we draft a guard early, is Damian Lewis primed to lose his starting job? Is Haynes' job even safe, even with the money? I think I think that they absolutely can draft young, you know, draft young and start young there. I, I think there's there's some really interesting pieces. I know Jeff and I both get excited whenever we see, um, you know, John Cougar Mellencamp or whatever. John Jacob is. Jingleheimer Schmidt. John yeah, Jacob, I've named yeah. him a, a number of things. Uh, <laughs> but no, seriously, I, I think I think he would be a, a really great fit for the Seahawks. And I also think that there's guys like Osiris Torrance and, and Andrew Voorhees, Andrew Voorhees is a guy that no one's talking about. I still think he might be the best scheme fit for the Seahawks at guard. Um, and I think he could be available. I'm seeing some mocks with him going in, in the third round, you know, I, the hardest thing for me in this draft, Dana, mm-hmm. by far is I could see a, a path where you could build your offensive line for the next 10 years that you would love to have and would be a huge, huge, huge core of how you become a, like a stable contending team. But in order to do that, the opportunity cost is you're not spending those picks on defenders. Right. So I can also see this draft where like they go deep on defense. And then within defense, there's time where I'm like, oh man, there's like, there's guys like Brian Branch who I love and he's in the secondary and would he be as valuable as if they got someone on the defensive line? Not necessarily. So like, that's the, that's where I have more um, consternation than whether they would be blocked by Phil Haynes or something like that. Right. It's just so, there's so many needs. It's hard to really focus on one. And so then do you, do you split it? And so then you still have some need. There's just so many. It's just, you take, I mean, I don't know where you both are, but as far as I'm concerned, take the player, take the best players available. When you have right. this many needs and you're this, like you have to have this much go right. The biggest mistake you can make is like, well, we really need a linebacker. So I'm going to take this middle linebacker at 20 and it's going to be like, Oh no. Now maybe if it's drew Sanders, like maybe that's worth it. Like that guy could be awesome. But if it's, you know, maybe it's Trenton Simpson and you're not as excited about him or whatever else, like 
Mm-hmm. I would rather have Brian Branch be an all pro player for the Seahawks. That was going to be my guy. Then have, you know, a mediocre, you know, uh, another, sorry, not mediocre. Story. I would say a Jordan Brooks rather than another Jordan Brooks. He's a led the league in tackles or whatever, but not my guy. Yeah. I, that was going to be my exact example. Mm-hmm. Like Brian Branch is one of my favorite players I've studied so far. He's, he looks as a safety, but he's a nickel. He could be like an all pro level nickel player. And they drafted him at 20. Like some people would be like, a safety? Are you crazy? I, I would be like, they just need to take good football players. And what me and Brian have gone dug into this so many times. Is mm-hmm. If you go into a draft, try to hyper focus on like, hey, we're going to take this position here and this position there. It's where you, you set your set up to fail. And that's what happened with the Collier draft and some of their other biggest, a Jarena Fetty. And you just say, okay. And, like you look at the teams that drafted well, Baltimore is like the one I always bring up, but like they just try to take good players. Like they t- try to take good players and you can't kind of try to manipulate the draft to get the positions. Just take mm-hmm. good players and you're going to end up in a good, I remember Brian, when even they had KJ and Bobby, Brian was at the game and take a linebacker if he's the best player on the board. And they would have been <laughs> pretty good here. So I really hope they're not trying to like manipulate it to try to maximize where you can get everyone. Like, that gets you in trouble because if one guy goes and all of a sudden you're kind of stuck. So if you take a garden center at 20 and 37, I'm like, I'm totally cool with that. Didn't Snyder say that though, in like a postseason interview, he said that they know how they've made their mistakes in the draft in the past and that they were just going to go best player available. I, I mean, God knows you can't, you have he to did. take everything they say with a grain of salt. So we have to keep yeah, it. There's been too many bad draft years. Last year was great. Yeah the best draft they've had since basically the beginning. Now we need to see him do it again. Right. Cause it's not just the players they've taken. that's bothered me. It's the patterns and the way they've come mm-hmm. at those players. Right. Right. Like Creed Humphrey. <laughs> like Creed Humphrey. We don't say that. We, we need to call him Voldemort or something. So that we doesn't get, but, you know, I've learned, I've learned like every fan base is going crazy. That they didn't drive. I thought it was yep. just me. Nope. Everybody like the fans are like, how did we not take Chris Humphrey? And the Rams fans, <laughs> they took that receiver after us. Actually, I have a good tidbit on the Rams. I'll tell you guys later. Oh, I love that. All right. All right. So let's go to the next one. Um, let's see. Um, this is free agents. We're going to get to those. Okay. This is from D Crockett. Um, in a world where the elite um, defensive line prospects plus the quarterbacks, um, Plus the quarterback Seattle might like, oh, the quarterback Seattle might like are all off the board at number five. Suppose the Seahawks trade down to nine Carolina and select Alabama safety. Is it Brian Banks? Is that who you guys are talking about? Brian Branch. Yeah. Branch. Okay. Um, Apparently it says, would your head explode? No, it sounds like you guys would be thrilled with that. So that would be all right. Okay, good. Sorry. All right. Let's see. Um, Jay Brandt says, I think I've talked myself into Richardson at number five. I want a toolsy athletic quarterback on a rookie contract. Why am I doing this to myself? (laughs) Jared, (laughs) what are you doing, man? Right. I don't, I know you didn't direct it at me, but I can't help myself. I've been so, I think I've been really consistent on this. How, how much of a mistake I think it would be for them to take a quarterback at five. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, and Richardson of all of them is such a dice roll. 
So like I, I've seen, I get uncomfortable when I see people mocking Hendon Hooker to the Seahawks at 37. I'm like, guys, 25 coming off a knee surgery, like maybe in the fifth round or fourth round or whatever. Like I don't, I want the first three rounds all to be dedicated to position players that are going to make or break this team um, at positions other than quarterback. Um, mm -hmm. So. I don't, they don't, they don't need to be like an all in roll the dice on a quarterback right now. And if you take this number five pick and you play it there, you're, you are betting the next five years on this, on this. Like, I don't think you're going to be in a position to, to really be back in this kind of draft situation in the future. So I just think it'd be a massive, massive risk. And if it worked out, what does it look like? So you, you're kind of where Jeff was said. Now you've got a quarterback, but you could have had a quarterback just with, with money and you don't have a defensive lineman that you could have had. Like, I don't know. It just feels like way out of order for me. Mm -hmm. So, so all, let's, my, all my alarm bells go off, but let's, Jeff, let's play this game for just a minute. Let's play this game for just a minute. Jeff, I'm going to start with you. So let's play this game. Gino does not resign. He gets a ridiculous amount of money from Carolina, wherever the hell it may be. Who knows? Right. Tampa. Tampa, the Jets, like everywhere, like everywhere is like, oh, we're going, you know, they're going to end up having, no, they're not. He's not going back to New York people. But here's the thing. So say that happens, which I truly don't expect to happen, but let's say that does. Seattle's hand is forced. So my question is, do you go for a flyer and just get a free agent quarterback? Do you go after Carr? Do you go after one of those guys for a few years? Or do you use the one of those first round picks for a quarterback? I think in that situation, I'm far more inclined to be open to the quarterback situation. But it's, I'm kind of stumped anyway because you're saying a pick five. So there's this idea mm -hmm. like, okay, there's four quarterbacks in the draft. You can just sit there and pick a quarterback. And I think that's just completely wrong with how you look at a draft. Like you're not drafting a defensive tackle. Like this guy is going to be the face of your franchise. So you're, I can't imagine there's any team in any draft in the history that's been okay with four quarterbacks and you will take any of them. There's no way. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you can just sit there and hope that one of these guys falls to you. Like that happens. I think you got to trade up because there's so many teams. So honestly, in that situation, I would probably look at a car or even like a Darnold and maybe taking one of those quarterbacks, but. That made I, me a little lightheaded. Yeah. <laughs> I want I, Sam Darnold. <laughs> No, I just, it would be such a big setback. And I, I kind of mentioned this, the more I kind of dig into Gino and Brian mentioned this earlier, there's not a market for him. There's not a huge market for him. And I know people in our chat were arguing with us and you can mention all the teams that need quarterbacks, but just talking around, I, I heard Joel Corey say the same thing on the radio today. Like Tampa's the obvious one. They're 55 million over the cap. The, do you know who I think they're going to end up? I think Drew's going to sign. Drew Locke's going to sign in Tampa. They don't have a lot of money. Uh, Kyle Trask, I, there's reports today. Kyle Trask is going to start. Dave Canales worked with Drew last year. I think that's a logical. Oh, sure. Uh, they're, they're trying to lose, I think, this year. Or just trying to get back and, like, recovering from all the Brady stuff. So, I didn't answer your question really well. But I can't see that scenario really happening. I don't see Gino leaving. Mm -mm. so if that happens to throw everything out the window maybe you do go quarterback but 
I'm, I'm, I'm with Brian on this one. I just, I don't think there's a quarterback that warrants that spot. And I think they need a kind of play, building block on the defensive line. And if you don't get one, where do you ever get that guy? Have we been, have we been back on since Gino had that interview with um, that podcast? What was it, Jeff? Oh, the, the one with uh, Ryan Clark. The Ryan yeah. Clark. That was a oh, great interview. Because like anyone that listened to that, if you didn't come away thinking like that's the guy that should be our quarterback, mm-hmm. I, I want to understand why. Because I mean, this is a guy who's been I, it's been clear watching him and listening to him how smart he is. And you don't generally talk about how smart any NFL player is, not because they're all dumb, but because that's just not what people talk about. They talk about their athletic gifts. They talk about other things. And Gino is like, he was in a gifted program. This guy was, is an artist. He is, uh, he has been in positions to really think creatively and think in, you know, uh, you know, complex, challenging situations for a long time. He's been a leader for a long time. He is much more than a football player and takes pride in that. I think all signs all signs point to him being a guy that could actually take another big leap forward, I think, next year. And he is so obviously the right player for this team right now. I don't think it means that they're going to win the Super Bowl with him for sure or anything like that. But all the other options are just massive gambles. So you've got a guy who wants to be here, who is good, who should be able to play better, who should have an offensive line that plays better, that should have a running game that is more consistent, that should have you know, a lot of things that should be more positive. Fill your other holes, like actually put out a good team. Don't, don't put, you know, not as good in place of what was going to be there. Like get the good player, pay the money and fill your friggin' holes. I'm just so sick of, I'm so sick of watching this defense be terrible. Um, And I don't want to see some rookie quarterback come in here and be, almost as good as Gino and still have a shit defense. I'm just done with that. Super yeah. done with it. Yeah. I was listening to Mina's podcast today and mm-hmm. they were going over all the teams that should draft the quarterback and Seattle came up and Mina, I think Greg Rosenthal, they're like, no, mm-hmm. moved on right away. So if they're saying that I, I like to trust her. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree with Brian on this one. I'm more on this one. Just Mm-hmm. I my the other one of the other podcasts that I do um the Archer Football Podcast um one of the ladies on there with me Lisa she absolutely cannot stand Geno Smith I don't know why she's a Dolphins fan and a Dolphins reporter and so I don't know if there's a whole Jets thing there I don't know but she cannot stand him she thinks he is lower level quarterback and I have tried all season to change her mind and after the season was over she tried to bring it up again God love her and she's the sweetest thing but I finally just started spitting out stats to her. I said, would you like that quarterback? She's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's Geno Smith. And she's like, oh, well, let's just move on. Like, she just can't handle it. And I think that's it. I think there's still a little stigma of that with him, you know, in the background. But honest to God, I think that we saw probably who he really is and hopefully could be even better. So that's just my, that's my plug for Geno. Stay in Seattle, Geno. That's what I want you to do. So. I'll ask this real quick before we move on. Yeah. Did we see any quarterback outside of Patrick Mahomes play better against the 49ers defense than Gino did in the first half of that playoff game over the last half of last season? No. 
I mean, there there were there were some like Jared Stidham. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's what I was thinking <laughs> about. But even he had like I, I think I would not put that at the same level as the way Gino played in the first half of that game. Um so anyway, mm -hmm. I, I think I think there's a lot, a lot to be optimistic about there. Me too. All right. Okay. So let's see. Um, <laughs> this is from Trey. <laughs> Jeff, this is for you from Trey. He says, I want to know who Jeff okay. most wants with pick number five and why is it Will Anderson? <laughs> why is Will Anderson? <laughs> why is it Will Anderson? <laughs> oh, man. We're getting Will Anderson. Um, yeah, it's, it's Will Anderson. I think he is just He's got the football character. He's got the skills. He's just like the blue chip player I've been talking about in our stupid show for years. And we <laughs> haven't had one on defense. Like Bobby's been there, but we haven't had that guy. I just think he's like the, I think he's the surest bet in the whole draft this year. But Jalen Carter would excite me. There's other guys that would excite me, but I'm really, I know like Nathan was talking about other mock drafts. I'm really starting to convince myself that this is gonna, one of those two guys is going to be there. And I think the way the quarterback market is playing, and there's two teams we need to watch, the Raiders and the Panthers. Panthers, yeah. The Panthers have put together this like super staff with Frank Reich, who I really like, by the way. But they don't have a quarterback. And if Derek Carr doesn't go there, and I don't think he is, I think. That'd be a weird, weird choice mm -hmm. for that. Especially what happened with Reich and Indy, what happened with Carolina in the last few years. There's two teams that need to jump into the top five. And – the Bears need to trade back, and I think the Cardinals might be a team that could trade back. Oh, yeah. So if one of those two teams jumps into the top five, that's We're Anderson, set. That's I'm Anderson Carter for Seattle. Or, yeah. as Daniel Jeremiah put out in his mock this week, Tyree Wilson he had over Carter and Anderson. Mm -hmm. So I'm making myself – I'm trying to will this into real, that Will Anderson can happen. And it might be unrealistic, but if if it's Jalen Carter at five, <laughs> that's pretty good too. So he's he's been the number he's the number one player on any like media board I've seen. So far. I got I got two quick follow ups. Uh, Dana, I know yeah. we're we're making life hard on you. No, you're I, one is. <laughs> I I hope you both saw that video of the new Cardinals coach. Um, oh my God. I didn't think it was possible for them to like go downhill from where they already were, but like, let's hope that they become the Houston Texans of the NFC West and they start trading away all their best players and doing really stupid, stupid things. Maybe to Jeff's point, maybe we can fleece them. <laughs> maybe they're just going to be idiots, but wow, that guy was that I would feel so bad if I was a Cardinal player. Um, so that's one. The other is if you're Frank Reich, are you going to bet your job on Derek Carr? And the reason that doesn't make sense besides wh whatever you feel about Derek Carr is you sign a veteran quarterback. You're expected to win. Now, if you draft a rookie quarterback, the expectation is two to three years mm -hmm. minimum. He buys you time. So I think it would be a huge surprise if a team like Carolina was not aggressive in going after quarterback. And if they're not going to jump the Seahawks, I'm hoping that there's a quarterback they love where we are and the Seahawks 
everyone's like Jeff said, we're not in position to have this draft again. I want us to be in a position to have this draft again next year by trading back from five, unless there's a guy at five that is just like, this is the guy. If not, take the first round pick next year and get an extra second this year or whatever it would be and move on. Yeah. And if you know who the general manager of the Panthers is, it's uh, John Schneider's old assistant, Scott Fitterer. And Reich, I know we're taking the eight off. What got Reich fired in Indianapolis was they never, once Luck retired, they never got a quarterback. They were doing the recycled guys and they went with Wentz and Matt Ryan and it blew up in his face. And that's why he got fired and why David Mm -hmm. Tepper, the owner, was begging these guys to get Deshaun Watson last year. And it cost them Hassan Reddick because they were trying to make room for Watson. And he's an aggressive guy. So you compare Reich's history, what happened in Indy with, David Tepper, like that has all the makings of a, a big splash in the draft. And they could go to one, but people keep forgetting they could trade to three. And if they trade to three with Arizona, and my God, they look, my, they hired Michael Scott from the office as their head coach. But I don't know if you, anyone saw him talking on Buda Baker in that video where he starts making like Star Wars sounds. It is, yeah, that's weird. It was so weird. <laughs> and like, his reputation wasn't great after that Super Bowl where they gave up like seven scoring drives in a row to Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, I think Seattle right now, like things, the quarterback market is really shifting in their favor. And like, even if the Raiders sign like Jimmy Garoppolo or something, like that's not a long time. That guy gets hurt every year. So there's a lot working in their favor in terms of either getting someone to slide down or you really control that third quarterback. And that, what Brian said, you can get a first next year or you can get two seconds. It opens up a lot. So mm-hmm. I really like how things are shaping out for that. So you just answered one of the questions on there. So Mark Zuck asked, is Arizona a lock for picking number one next year? Maybe. That, that, that's a definite possibility for sure. All right. Um, he also has another question. It says the draft has some high quality tight ends. Should the Seahawks find a trade partner for Noah Fant and use one of their top four picks on a tight end? Brian. I, I is such a great question because I think that's a pretty sneaky, good tight end class. Mm-hmm. And when I say sneaky, good, there's, there's kind of a wide variety. There's, there's a number of the, classic pass catching, you know, uh, offensive threat guys. There's some guys that are big uglies that are like athletic, like the Georgia tight end that's in there. It's a pretty big athletic freak and could be a two-way player for you. And I think the Seahawks have a good, not great tight end group. Like, I, I think that's where they are. So I don't think you need to upgrade it, but they could be in a position where there's a guy they think could be a, pro bowl level or better player. And in that case, I wouldn't love it with one of their first two picks for sure. But you know, if they ended up going that direction and the person brings up a good point, if you find a trade partner for someone they've got, I I would be open to that. Um, But that's one of the things, Dana, I can I do so really quick and go through a few. uh, There are so many, different combinations that I would be happy with this is happy with in this draft. It's very different than in past years where like the, the, the Creed Humphrey thing that came up, like I was very zeroed in that they needed to get a center in 2017. I was Jeff and I know, like I was very zeroed in. We need to get multiple cornerbacks out of this draft, like secondary. I was very zeroed in on what they needed this. There's like not only need, but there's thing just read a couple real quick ones. 
So like Daniel Jeremiah, well, sorry, I'll start with Ryan Wilson from CBSSports.com. He has Tyree Wilson at five, Brian Branch at 20, John Michael Schmitz at 37. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't be happy with that, right? And then you go to Daniel Jeremiah, who Jeff just talked about. He has Will Anderson going to the Seahawks at five. And uh, JSN, Jackson Smith, uh, how do you say the last name? Is that Jibba? And Jibba, uh, the wide receiver. Be pretty excited about that as well. Uh, then you go to Football Outsiders, Tyree Wilson at five, Drew Sanders at 20. I would be thrilled. Drew Sanders looks like he could be a superstar at linebacker. Then you go Kevin Hans from Sports Illustrated. He's got Tyree Wilson at five. Osiris Torrance, a guard at 20. I'd be excited about that. Then you go and you've got, uh, let's see. Um, there's one other. Oh, Michael Renner from Pro Football Focus has Tyree Wilson at five and Kalijah Kansi at 20. I mean, if you got a defensive end and a defensive tackle, I mean, come on. So those are all different. Like Tyree Wilson's part of a lot of them, but there's a lot of different possible combinations that I would be ecstatic about. So it's just like, don't go, don't do the stupid. Don't like go and draft some no, like, what are you drafting that guy in this position? Like, don't do that. If you avoid that, it's almost like shooting fish in a barrel this year. Like they should be able to come out and be a better team. It's funny because one of the questions on Patreon is what's your biggest fear that he, that John Snyder would do, but that's it. It's just be stupid, right? Not pick the best guy in front of you for sure. All right. So there's um, a couple of other questions um, not related to the draft. So do you guys have anything else you want to add about the draft before we move on from that? Uh, I'll just say this. I, th- I hope they learn from what happened last year and they don't get a little arrogant after everything kind of went in their favor. They got a lot of hype. I hope they learn from what happened. Don't outthink the room. Don't be the smartest guy in the room. That's what's gotten this team in trouble. So trying to draft people out of slot and thing we know more than everyone else. I really hope that they've learned. Don't get cute. Damn it. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Don't that's get cute. One. All right. So a couple of other, um, let me find them. Sorry. Cause they're all mixed together here. Um, okay. Jen wants to know if the commanders use a franchise tag on pain, do you go after Buckner? Either one of you. Ooh, Jen, you made him think, look at that. Nice job. What do you think, Jeff? I think it would be great. I just, it's hard to see it, how it would work. They would have to trade probably a third round pick and then take on a $20 million salary. Yep. I think it's one of the best things they could do for the roster. I just don't know how they can make that and Geno Smith. And yeah. I'm, I, I'm okay with the idea if it's a third round pick, but I don't want them trading premium picks. I think this team needs a group of young players that's all kind of emerging at the same time. Sort of what happened at the first place. And I'm more willing. I know we've talked about Jimmy Graham and Percy Harvin and all Jamal Adams. If you're going to trade picks away, trade for players in the trenches, offensive and defensive linemen, mm-hmm. not very unique chess pieces that didn't fit their identity in any way. So I'd be more open to that, but I just can't my, knowledge brain i can't figure out how that works in their cap and the idea of giving up another pick is not the way i think they need to build i don't think they need shortcuts 
Fair enough. All right. This one is from Alexander. Could the Hawks re-signing free agents earlier than they normally do this year signify a different approach to this offseason? Brian? It is a little interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they, it, it, we, we talked about the two and recently, but they also did Jason Myers. And so what it, what it does indicate to me is that they've got a very clear plan. And they're they're ticking off the things that they want to just get marked off the list so they can focus on other areas. The fact, one of the things we haven't really talked about with the Geno Smith piece is there's been a lot of acknowledgement from John Schneider, who's doing a radio show now. Like that's a huge departure from what he's done before. Pete Carroll, Geno Smith, they've all talked about how they're talking regularly. There's active conversation. They feel like it's going well. They've never, ever, ever like been able to really talk about those things um, publicly. That's departure. And it also indicates, I think we can say whatever we want. They're going to sign Geno Smith. I think it would be very surprising if it doesn't happen. And so then, yeah, I think that they're trying to square up what they're going to have in terms of cap space to spend. Um, and my expectation is linebacker is going to be a priority. I'm hoping that there's not some crazy move where they spend a bunch of money and like screw up the cap on a position of, of not real need. But yeah, that that's my biggest takeaways. I think that they have, they have a very clear idea of what they want to do and they're starting to, to, to take action. There's no reason for them to wait. So I think that's a pretty encouraging sign. Okay. Another one for Mark. Um, what are your thoughts on Vegas early odds putting the Broncos at number 13 and the Seahawks at number 25 in Super Bowl odds? I I, I can answer that one for you. Ignore Vegas. It means nothing. <laughs> it's February. We have no idea what the hell is going to happen next year. I think that that gives a lot of credence, a lot of credit to Sean Payton before he's ever even had his hands on this team. But I don't know. Just ignore it. Because look at the odds last year. How'd that work out for him? So. Screw the Broncos. I don't care about the Broncos. Yeah, we're they over can, that they, now, right? They, That's the way I feel about it. They can do anything they want this uh-huh. year. We got their picks. They can yeah. have Russ and, and all that goes along with him. I know. I have to keep a pretty close eye on them just because I do cover them. But it's it, the interesting thing about the Broncos is that the personal side of it, now I don't care anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, we got the better of them this year. We got all their picks. I don't care now. Do whatever you want to do. Go. Hopefully you can beat the Chiefs once in the last 20 years and good for you. We'll go on from there. So. All right, that is about it for Patreon questions. Wow. Um, I know there was a lot this time, you guys, and they were great questions. So thank you guys. Remember, each week, you know, we put up a little thing. Join Patreon, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Am I right? You got Look it. Me. Look at I got it. And you can join. And then you get instant um, access to the Slack channel. And I had a great time. So after we had to cancel the show last night, I went over and I'm like, all right, guys, I'm here for 30 minutes or so. Let's chit chat. And we did. We had a couple of great conversations. It was very fun. Um, But all day long, there's a constant Seahawks conversation going on over there for sure. So as we wrap, start to wrap the show up, Jeff, I want to hear about what you have to tell us about the Rams. So when I was doing that senior bowl article, I was talking to a bunch of people. And one of the things I heard from someone was that there was a lot of veteran players on the Rams who've kind of lost faith in what's going on over there. And I heard one of them was Matthew Stafford. I heard one of them was, and if you've noticed Jalen Ramsey has been a guy that's been talked about in trades and 
I wasn't comfortable writing this because I, I wasn't sure if it was just rumors or conjecture. But when Bobby got cut today, the, the thing I noticed is that Schefter, who's like kind of kind of like the, the mouthpiece for these guys, he said Bobby wants to win. And to me, that is it kind of made the whole thing go full circle where they've I think that I think that's going I think something's going on there. So maybe you see Jalen Ramsey gets traded. Maybe you see might be the end of Aaron Donald pretty soon. I think this might be, there's reports each. I think people have lost faith in what's going on there. And the thing I heard is that they look at the team, they see a lack of draft picks, they see a lack of cap room, and they just don't see how they get better. And when Bobby gets cut in the first thing, he was one of the best players last year. And the first thing that comes out is he wants to win. When their whole team got hurt last year and they were in the Super Bowl two years ago, that jumped off the page to me. So I don't think things are so sunny over there. McVay almost walked away. There was a lot of players. There was a story today with Jordan Rodrigue writing about how like the players in McVay really kind of fell out of favor last year with each other because McVay got into this shell. He didn't know how to handle losing for the first time. And I think teams are looking at the roster there and seeing, and they say, how do we, how do we get better? So there might be some sort of exodus going on there in the next couple of years. And the Allen Robinson thing blew up in their face. Bobby's gone after a year. Like, I was I was pretty surprised they cut him. He was one of their best players last year. They didn't get a lot of cap room out of it. So Mm-mm. seeing Bobby and seeing that line that he wants to win after hearing that they weren't big believers in what's happening right now. And really, like, they have Cooper Cop, they have Donald, they have Jalen Ramsey. But all that cutting corners, it's interesting that the players see it too. So. I um I retweeted um one of their players and I can't remember which one it was um said something to Bobby they're like okay Bobby it was great playing with you but when we get back to winning you know this will be you know on you or something like that and I was like oh there was a little snark there so it makes you wonder like what the undercurrent of that team is right now it's much the same in Arizona but Arizona just seems to be inept I mean they're talking about getting rid of Hopkins now they're going to trade him out you know they're they're massive change we need that there um but yeah you can see it kind of in the rams too i don't know that stafford's going to come back so that'll be really interesting to see what happens there but yeah i don't know all we have to deal with hopefully next year is san francisco which irritates piss yeah, out of me, but they, they, i don't have a good i don't have a good answer on that one. i don't well, know but he does. Should we spend a second on it i know we, Please, we probably no, have yeah. time but they're in an interesting spot right so we've talked about the quarterback for them a little bit purdy for my money was clearly their best quarterback and he's his surgery was delayed further. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I hope for the best for that kid. I honestly do. Um, even though I can't stand the 49ers and hope they lose every game they play. I, I want the you know, pretty I want any player to be hurt um or have a guy in that situation, you know, not be able to continue. It was a pretty cool story for him. Mm-hmm. But I don't like their option in Lance. I think he is not a winning quarterback. I think that they've got a number of, they've got a significant number of free agents this year. A lot of them, they're not going to be able to keep and their draft capital isn't great. So their story is not getting better. Their story is like how close to last year can they get? I don't think I think they've already peaked talent wise. I don't think there's a story of where how they're going to get better. And they didn't get to the Super Bowl last year. And if they had, I'm not sure they would have won. Mm-hmm. So Seattle has 
everything we've talked about, as much as we've been like a little bit dithering about whether Seattle will be good, there's almost no path where Seattle shouldn't be better next year. Doesn't mean that they'll be great. And this is assumes that they have Gino. If they, if they don't have Gino, then I think it's a much more wide, wide variance, but they can't have a worse defensive line than they did. They, they, they can't have a worse linebacking crew than they did. They can't have like more injuries at their safety position than they did. Um, they can't have a younger offensive line with the bigger holes in the middle. Like there's a, I think there's definitely there's a strong case we made the Seahawks will close the gap with 49ers. The only question is like, will it be enough to win one game? Mm-hmm. Two games? You know, don't know. And and I think there's some questions like the 49ers every year have had injury issues mm-hmm. every year. This year happened to be all the quarterback, but Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, are all guys that have had significant injury issues over their careers. And the best predictor of future injuries is whether you've had past. So as much as I think the 49ers are the most talented team in the NFL roster wise, I don't think it's like a slam dunk that they're just going to be every bit as good as they were this past year. And even this year, they started off like pretty shitty. Like the Seahawks were going to win the division, which was going to be crazy. So yeah, right. That quarterback situation is just weird because, mm-hmm. and it's going to linger for a while because Purdy, like if you, that UCL injury, is like it's weird. It's been mm-hmm. taken. They don't know if we'd be ready for camp. And Trey Lance is just he's been a bust, and and he hasn't played, so he's coming off a ACL injury and just doesn't look like a, like a franchise quarterback. And they gave up like their whole three years of first round picks basically to get him. So. Yeah, they have the stars of their team. They they have to pay Nick Bosa, but mm-hmm. they're going to have Debo, McCaffrey, Kittle, but who knows how long Trey Williams. But Bosa, Fred Warner, they're going to have that core of like all pros for a while. Mm-hmm. So, it's, but Seattle really they need to start building that. They have they did a good job last year. They put a lot of pieces in place, but again, that's why this draft is so so important for them because the path is there. They just have they, they, it's sitting right there to get get that kind of roster. And they have some older guys. Seattle can do it with 23, 22, or 24-year-olds. So, Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm ready to just completely wipe off Trey Lance yet just because I don't think we've seen enough of him to know what kind of player he is. I mean, he can't stay on the field. Now, is that a huge red flag? Hell yeah, it is. You know what I mean? But I just don't know that I, I feel like I can completely write him off yet. And yet... I don't know that we'll get much of a chance with Purdy coming back and playing well, but we only saw six games out of him. I mean, there's just, it's such a huge question mark for them. And I think that the the nice thing about this division right now is the fact that, you know, Seattle should be better than two of the four teams, right. And get closer to that third one. Well, that's just damn encouraging. Right. And so if they nail this, this draft, I think the positive aspect is to look at it. It's like, it, it, we're, 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 we're running for one, right? You're running toward first place. And that's, and that's a good thing. Now, are we super close? Hell no, not right now. And cause San Francisco has all those great players, but at the same time, it's, it's a good place to start. I think. It's not Absolutely. a very good conference either. I know it used to be the best. I used to boast to everyone. The NFC West was the best conference of, or it was the, was the, oh, the best division. You mean conference. Yeah, no, not right now. 
And we could go on for an hour about Aaron yeah, Rodgers yeah, living yeah. in a hole. So let's not talk about that. That's just too much. <laughs> Whatever. It's a disaster. But yeah. all right, everybody. Brian, that's all I got for you tonight. Awesome. I had one quick question for you, too. Let's do it. Uh, did you feel like was it a big deal for you at all the Seahawks coaches that they lost um you know to Tampa did that register to you and then I guess related to that there's a lot of comments from Dave Canales about some of the Seahawks past OCs and I was kind of curious if, if you guys read those and if anything jumped out to you go ahead Jeff you can go first um I didn't like feel anything or get emotional about we're not get emotional, but I don't think it has a big impact on Seattle. I think there's a case that they might have upgraded at the quarterback coach. They, they got a veteran guy who's pretty good. Canales is like an emerging guy, and I'm glad to see him get an opportunity. It's been one of the things we've seen kind of criticize Pete for that they haven't had coaches, and he got two OC interviews this year. So I think that uh, says a lot about how Gino did. And But like looking at it, I don't think there's like a huge reason to be concerned of anything. I think you can slide a guy in there and be totally fine. Shane Waldman's still there. Um, I read the thing about uh, Canales, and it kind of made me – I just realized, like, there's a school of thought that, like, Pete's never identified good offensive coaches, and I get that school of thought for sure. They haven't hit on superstars for sure, but I think they've had pretty good guys, and the things he's hit on are stuff we've talked about on the show, like how shoddy came in and really fixed Russell's footwork. Like, to hear Dave Canales talk about that made us feel better – made me feel better about the things we've talked because we noticed it. Russell was much more in control and had probably his best quarterback seasons there. Daryl Bevel's a guy the players like Doug raves about Daryl Bevel and Shane Waldron. It was cool to hear the things that that he take from McVay and the things we've seen him do. So I think when you like heard him go through OC 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 and then basically have nothing to say about Tater, it's like he's a nice guy. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of reevaluated everything we've said on the show over the years. So. I think Seattle has had better offensive coaches than people give it credit for. And it was cool to see it all kind of come from Canales' mouth. But to answer the original question now, I, I didn't really – I'm not too really worried about it. I think, in fact, they ended up in a pretty good spot. So, yeah, I, as you two know, I, I was contacted by a uh, Tampa Bay Bucks um, writer, and he's like, Dana, tell me all you can about him. And I'm like, well, I can't tell you much about him because he's kind of always been in the shadow. We know he's there. You know, he did a mic'd up and, and we, I know that the players really liked him and he was really well respected by them, but I didn't have too much detail. And I'm like, maybe that's a good thing. That means that he's just been there learning, absorbing. And then to read what he, he wrote about all the different OCs that have been in Seattle, he was very complimentary and, and talked about very specific things that he learned and the Tampa Bay guys are, are pretty excited about him because he's young, you know, and he, the, the one guy I talked to, he, he comes, he goes, he, well, he comes from the Pete Carroll coaching tree. So that should be good. And I'm like, really? You don't hear that very often. Like it was, it was pretty impressive. And so I, I think that, I don't think this is going to be a huge hit on Seattle in any way, shape or form, but this guy was an up and coming. You knew he wasn't going to stay for a long time. So I, I wish him well. I hope he does well because that will reflect well on Pete. So. Yeah, I, helpful to hear. And Jeff and I go back and forth about coaching trees and and whether there there's any like value because you know is it the Sean McVay coaching tree or is it the Kyle Shanahan coaching right. tree or the Mike Shanahan coaching tree or the Steve you know, the, the Bill Wallace coaching, coaching tree? Yeah. Uh, How right. far back do you go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, to to Jeff's point about the offensive coaches, for me, it's not been like that. The Seahawks have had bad offensive coaches. I think they've had 
above average. I would not say they've had great offensive coaches, but they've all been for the most part off people that have been offensive coaches before. Waldron is someone who hadn't really had that opportunity. And so, but even then he was groomed under a really clear offensively minded coach and, and brought that system. Canales would be a guy for me that I would count as a Pete Carroll disciple. He's, He's been, been there, in what, the Pete Carroll years? across all of these different people. And I think he got his start in the NFL here or, or close to it. That's generally where I give coaches credit for bringing someone up. Pete hasn't done that in most cases. There's not a lot of examples of that. So uh, it will be interesting. I am interested in the guy that the Seahawks brought in to replace him at quarterback coach. He's, you know, he's been an OC himself and worked closely with, you know, Goff in the, in the early years of McVay, where McVay got a lot of credit, but who knows how much this guy had to do with it. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not too worried about the, the departure and I'm curious how the, the new influx will, will affect things. So, oh, I see people talking about Sean Desai. Real quick on this, because we've been so long since we talked, but (laughs) I I see this thing going around. like, maybe the Desai's had all these interviews and he's not getting a job. You know, maybe he's not that good. I don't know, man. I don't ha- I- I'm so happy we still have Sean decide. There's not mm-hmm. a single part of me that's like, oh man, maybe we have a-, a lemon here. Like, I think this guy's a good coach with a ton of talent and hasn't worked out yet. So like, I think that's all silly. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys know I like him. So I want him to stay right in Seattle. I think that's the perfect place for him. So agreed. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Thank you so much for hosting tonight, giving my brain a break. Really yeah. appreciate that. Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. I'm Brian M. Hauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And folks, if you haven't already given the show, like, please do. We like we've braved coins up noses and and like, you know, harsh winters and all sorts of things to to come and, and bring the show. We'd really appreciate a, a like, a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel and go to patreon.com slash Get immediate access to the Slack channel. Ask us questions when we do the show. And yes, we will have less frequent shows when there's less to talk about. But the point is, we're not just going to spew nonsense. We're going to talk about things that actually are worth talking about. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Reflect the Sun for the donation in Super Chat. Appreciate that. And if folks don't know, Proceeds go to charity. We've given up over $250,000 to charity over the years. Um, so thank you to all of you for, for being part of that great community that's been growing. And uh, welcome back. It was nice to see you all. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Take care.